So we're continuing this uh, series called The Story, and we're making a little shift this week, because up till now, we've been working through the Gospels the last four to five Sundays, and we're making this shift to getting into the book of Acts. Now, um, for many of you, the book of Acts, when you get into it, it's actually one of your favorite books about, of the Bible, because it, it's a New Testament book, a lot of Jesus talk going on in the, in the book, but it's a history book. You know, and especially like myself as guys, we kind of like history and reading that type of stuff. And so I really get into the book of Acts as well. In fact, there was a time early on in my ministry career where they, uh, a couple of my staff were actually joking that all I ever preached from, from was the book of Acts. So I made sure they know today I'm preaching from the book of Acts uh, as well. But we're going to jump into it and we're going to see something that happens in the book of Acts that's different than what was happening in the Gospels. Now, you could say it was a continuation of what was going on in the Gospels, but the mode of how it happens is totally different. I remember I was working at Burger King. I was 16 years old. And I was putting burgers up onto this conveyor belt type of grill. You know, there was no flipping going on. You just put it on there, it rolled through the track, it, it fell off, you put it on a bun, you stuck it out there, right? And that was the job. And the entry level on that was taking frozen patties out of a box and placing them up on the grill. So you listen overhead and they call out two whoppers. That's it. That's the job right there, you know? And I mean, my first night I wanted to do so good. I mean, I was like, cool. You know, and I was, I was ready for the next. And then before you know it, you know, you're just in robot mode throwing them on there. But I remember the first time where I got to move around to what they called a hamburger board. And <laughs> that's a big deal. The hamburger board, I've got to actually make the hamburgers and cheeseburgers. So you, you take one of those patties off, you put them on a bun, and it's, it's four, four swirls of ketchup, three swirls of mustard, and you put the top on, you wrap it up, and you send it out. And that was like big, big, big time stuff. So I would go over to the hamburger board, and my first job was just to take the patty off the conveyor belt. I'm on the whole other side of the conveyor belt. Didn't even know that world existed, but there I was on the other side, taking them off and putting them on the bun and then handing them to the next person, and they were doing the ketchup and the mustard. But I remember the first time when it was just me on hamburger board. Nobody next to me. I wasn't sliding it on for Mr. Ketchup and Mustard person. You know, it was all me doing it. And as silly as it may sound for a 16-year-old doing a, you know, a fairly easy job of putting ketchup and mustard on burgers, but I remember the first night, it felt like sink or swim mode, that now the ketchup and the mustard all depended on me, how somebody ate their burger. And I would actually think through these things. If I don't get the four rings of ketchup, I mean, will they notice as they're taking a bite in that? Wait a second. What's he trying to pull here? That's only three rings of ketchup. You know, so I tried to be very meticulous in how I did it. But that first night was very hard because I thought, man, I am totally on my own now. I don't have the person that trained me or that showed me, that worked alongside of me. That's the book of Acts. You see, up till now, these guys, these disciples, they have been with Jesus day in and day out. And now Jesus, he's gone. He's going to be gone up to be with the Father, and they are the ones that need to go out and do the work of the kingdom now. And so the book of Acts chronicles that, the, the journeys of the disciples, mainly Peter and Paul, but the journeys of the disciples going out and sharing God's word. But now they're doing it in the power of what Jesus had to offer and through the Holy Spirit that we'll talk about in just a minute. 
but not walking with that tangible person of Jesus, walking with them and teaching them like they just had done. I would guess every single one of you in here have some little experience like me going on burger board. Some time in your life where it was like, oh, now I have to do it without the assistance, without my teacher, my mentor, whatever it may have been. And so you are out doing it. I want to share a phrase with you this morning that I hope you latch onto in the next few minutes in this message. And it's this. God does not want to do for you what he has called you to do. God doesn't want to do for you what he's called you to do. Now, wait a second. You're like, whoa, hey, hey, God doesn't want to do something for us. God doesn't want to be with us. He doesn't want to empower us. No, didn't say any of that, all right? But God doesn't want to do for you what he has called you to do. Every single one of you has been called to do something in this life, and God doesn't want to come in and do it for you. He wants you to do it. He's called you to do it. Now, we have a chore list uh, at our house. Do you have something like this at your house where you put the chores on what you're supposed to do or what, who's supposed to do? Um, you know, I like writing them up there because when I'm the one writing them up there, I very conveniently leave my name off the board all the time. So we put the chores up there on the board, right? If I put up there, take out the trash in the entire house for one of my children to take care of, guess what? This may come as a shock to you. I don't want to then have to do that job. Oh, does that make sense? I mean, I would not want to then have to go do the job myself because I've assigned it to somebody in my house. That's, that's kind of their role, at least one of their roles and, and, and uh, purpose to get cleaned up in the house is to go do that trash. That's why I put it next to their name. You see, God, he works the same way with us. He has called us to do something. We're going to find out in this message, he empowers us to do that. And then he says, go do it. God doesn't want to have to then come in and take care of it himself because he's empowered us, he's gifted us, and he's called us to that. Let's take a look at his word. We're going to look at just the very beginning of the book of Acts, and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be tracking through several of these. Here would be my encouragement to you, though. Um, to go home tonight and just to start reading through the book of Acts. If you want to find a book in the New Testament that's pretty easy to read, maybe the easiest of them to read, the book of Acts would be that one. Because I know there's probably some in here that say, oh, I'm just not a reader. I don't really get into reading. And I would just say, hey, you know, get over it. Get in the Bible and read some because this book will be a good one for you to jump in and to read. And you can do that because we won't go through every chapter over the next few weeks. We just wouldn't have time. I mean, I have time. I'll preach all afternoon if you'd like. But I don't think you'd still be here. So, um, so we're going to look at just a few ch- uh, verses today, and then it'll set the course for the rest of the week. Remember, God doesn't want to do for us what he's called us to do. Let's take a look at the scripture. Chapter 1 of the book of Acts. Chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 6. Now, for some of you that have lingered around the church world for a while, you're going to be familiar with this passage, all right? But uh, let's look at it anyway. Verse 6. As a result... Those who had gathered together asked Jesus, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? And Jesus replied, it isn't for you to know the times and season that the Father has set by his own authority. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. After Jesus said these things, as they were watching, he, lift, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going away, and as they were staring towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood next to him. They said, Galileans, why are you standing here looking toward heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven 
will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. When I was going on a a missions trip back, I was a junior in high school, uh, this was the verse that was used, this Acts 1a, that the the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to go into all the world. And I remember there being this big graph that they put up with these circles on it, and the circle was there, and then another ring inside of that circle, and another ring inside the circle. So it kind of looked like, you know, a bullseye or a target that you would shoot at. And they actually had listed up there each of these, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, ends of the earth, and it would kind of go outside the circle. Um, but that's not exactly what we're going to talk about this morning, though that, that, that was all true to me in my missions trip. But there's something powerful in this verse that you may overlook when you read it. You see, our phrase this morning, God doesn't want to do for you what he has called you to do. Take a look at the very beginning of the verse that we just read, the first two verses. As a result, those who were gathered together asked Jesus, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? And what did Jesus say to him? It isn't for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. These guys were just asking a question, seemingly just a simple, innocent question. Now, now is, this, is this when it's going to happen, Lord, that you're going to kind of restore all of this? You remember when, when Jesus came in to, on the scene and he was the Messiah, they expected kind of a, a military-type leader. They expected that their nation would, be, would rise once again and be a united kingdom and would be a kingdom that really ruled the world. That was their tangible expectation. Jesus was not that type of savior. That was not the Messiah work he came to do. And so you could see the disciples, they still don't quite grasp it all, but they say, is this the time? Is this when it's going to happen when Israel is going to be restored? And what does Jesus respond to them? How does he respond? Well, it's very kindly written in the Bible. It's not for you to know the times or place. You know what Jesus is really saying? None of your business. It's none of your business. Now, you don't even have a place in that. That's what Jesus is just saying there. You ever say that to somebody when they ask you? You know, hey, that's none of your business. No. That's really what Jesus is saying. The disciples, they are concerned with something that Jesus wants them to know. Don't be concerned with. That's not what you need to know. In fact, what I think Jesus is really saying here, he's setting up what he's about to tell them. And what he is setting up is really to say, look, don't get so caught up in the time of the kingdom or what the kingdom will be. Get caught up in the work of the kingdom now. Jesus is going to tell them in just a second, there's a work to be done right now in the kingdom on earth where you're at. Go be a part of doing it. Get busy being a part of the work of the kingdom right here, not wondering what the kingdom's going to be like down the road or what times and places and all that kind of stuff. Now, uh, at the time, as Jesus is speaking here, you notice Jesus doesn't start quoting the book of Revelation or the, the disciples don't quite, quite quote the book of Revelation, right? Now, we would, though, if, if we knew, because we're we're 2,000 years later. We would look at the book of Revelation and we might quote some end times prophecy that we think comes out of there. And we say, well, don't you think that this sounds like what's going on in the world? And that means probably down the road in 71.8 days that this is going to happen. Those type of things. Guess what Jesus is saying to us today as well? The same thing. It doesn't matter. Be a part of the work of the kingdom now. Be a part of the work of the kingdom now. Now, this morning, I'm telling you, there was four people that were being baptized. As a pastor, I was proud of all four of them, right? As a father, I mean, I was really proud of one of them because it was my daughter being baptized. 
Um, and the only, when I, think of, uh, uh, when I think of this future kingdom and protecting, you know, that, then that's a big part of it, building into her so that she knows Jesus as her Savior, and I know she's going to heaven one day. But you know what now, what I share with her? It's time to do the work of the kingdom, Sierra. I know you're eight years old, but let's get out and do the work of the kingdom. That's what Jesus is sharing with his folks here. Don't be so caught up in what's going to happen in the end. Be, be caught up in what's going on right now. Right now, all around us are people that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And let me tell you, let me tell you who has the worst reputation of caring for people into the kingdom. It's us as Christians. We have a bad, bad reputation of how we go about this, of how we share Jesus, or how we even speak about our faith. Jesus is saying, look, there is a huge work to be done. Let's be concerned with doing the work. Doing the work. Why did we have an outreach on Halloween night? I'm going to just tell you. I was, um, as I say here in the slap, I was just slap wore out. Um, come, and we hadn't even started the event Thursday night. And I was wore out. You know, why do we do that type of stuff? You know, because 800 people came through the other night that we served and cared for. 101 of you came out and served. 101 of a church of 160, that's a significant number that gave up that night to come out and to serve. One lady I had a conversation with, she said this. She's lived in the neighborhood for a long, long time. She said, I cannot remember the last time a church has done an outreach in this neighborhood. That's an amazing word to hear, right? Amazing that a church hasn't been doing an outreach in this community right here. That's why we do it, because there's work to be done right now in the kingdom. And that's what we have to be a part of. And that's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Look, you've got work you've got to get out and done be, and do. Don't get caught up in what's going to happen at the end. Now, um, we do a staff meeting on, on Mondays in, in a restaurant. And there's one waitress that, that likes to talk end times type of stuff. And, uh, um, and I always have the... I always want to have the gumption when she says something about end time stuff to say, you know, so what? You know, who cares? <laughs> um, you know, not that I, I don't care for her and what she's saying, but uh, in a way of saying, man, we just got to get out and do the work now. I don't, we don't need to get so caught up in what may or may not happen in the end. I mean, all these biblical st- scholars for years and years, we can't quite figure out the book of Revelation. I don't think I'm figuring it out at Chick-fil-A on, on Monday morning. Um, but I know clearly what God wants me to be about in the kingdom right now, sharing his name and serving other people in our community. And that's what Jesus is getting at in verse 6 and 7. He goes on in verse 8, and this is probably the popular one that you know. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And I think what Jesus is, is saying to him there is, look, you are going to be empowered to do all that you need to do. You're going to be empowered it would be if we go back to the chore list, if I put on the chore list, as I did this last week, that we wanted them to, to trim and cut the bushes in the front yard, I probably am going to show them what the shears are and how I want the bushes cut before they go at it. You know, otherwise, they probably would take a chainsaw and start at the ground and be done with it for you know, the next several years. So I would have to show them what I wanted them to do. That's a way of me empowering them to do it, and how to do it, and how to think through it, and then how to clean up the stuff and put it away. And God's the same way. Look, I've got a task for you to do. I'm going to empower you to do it. Now, don't be confused. 
being empowered to do something is not the same as somebody else doing it for you. Because God doesn't want to do for you what he's called you to do. But he will empower you to do it. And the Bible says here that the Holy Spirit is going to come on you and going to give you power to be able to go do what it is he has called you to do. Now, we live in a, a an age now in modern and current worship where we talk about the word worship as if singing is the only part of worshiping, right, God. And then sometimes we tie in the Holy Spirit with the Spirit just kind of led me to sing that or led me in that song. The Spirit was really moving in that song. And so we kind of tie up this word worship with music and spirit as if these three things just camp out together all the time and don't have any connection with anything else in the Christian faith. But that's not what, what the Bible says. The Bible says right here, Jesus says, look, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Why? To do what? To do the work of the kingdom. To be my witnesses. Not even a mention of a song in here, right? To go out and to witness and to share. In fact, in, in the book of Acts, I don't even think I can find a time where one of these disciples went out and led worship or singing anywhere. No, there's nothing wrong with any of that. We'll do it every week. But that's not exactly what he's getting at when he says the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, look, you will be empowered to go do the work of the kingdom. Listen, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ today and you have a hard time ever witnessing, ever sharing your faith, ever even talking to somebody else about Jesus Christ, and and don't get me wrong, we never mean getting on a soapbox and preaching, you know, that's not what we're talking about. Just being a believer in Christ who befriends somebody and tells them about the hope that we found. If you've never, ever done that, can I tell you this morning, you're not allowing yourself to be empowered by the Holy Spirit because that is what the Holy Spirit does, challenges us to do and pushes us out to do. That's what he does. Too often we mistake the Holy Spirit moving with simple emotion. Simple emotion. We get emotional on something. Something moves us. Woo! You know, we say, wow, the Spirit was really speaking there. No, No, the Spirit was speaking when each of these kids said yes to Jesus Christ. I don't care if there was any emotion involved when it happened or not. The Spirit was moving and something was happening powerful in his name. Because that's what his Spirit does. In fact, if you were to look in the Gospels and in the Acts here, there is two very, very clear roles of the Holy Spirit. One role is to help us resist temptation. It's very clear. The Holy Spirit was the one that went with Jesus into the wilderness to help him when he was being tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. The Holy Spirit was the thing that guided him out there to experience that. And then here we get the passage, the Holy Spirit comes upon us to go do the work of the kingdom. Two very clear roles of the Holy Spirit in God's word. So if we're having a hard time resisting something, guess what? Probably not tapping into what the Holy Spirit has to offer. But according to your passage this morning, if we're not out there sharing his word or serving other people, we're not letting the Holy Spirit empower us to do. We would be looking at our chore list again. We would be something like me trying to teach how to trim hedges while I'm outside, while my kid is still up in his room. How much is he really going to receive and gain about hedge trimming? Not a whole lot. Now, I know sometimes they're right there and we think they're still up in their room. Um, But empowering them, being empowered. God says, I'll empower you. I will empower you to go out and do the work. And that's what he wants to do for us. Now, let's look on. 
starting in verse 9 there. It says, After Jesus said these things, as they were watching, he lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going away and as they were staring towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood next to them. They said, Galileans, why are you standing here looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken away from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. I don't think the disciples, if they had any glimpse or word from Jesus that this might happen, they certainly did not get it. Because Jesus, right after he says to them, right after he says, look, here's what's going to happen. Don't worry about the future. Just get busy with kingdom work now. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit to come on you, and you're going to go all over this world and make a difference everywhere. All right, that's it. I'm out. And then, boom, he's gone. I don't think they grasped that was about to happen (laughs) because he was gone, and they were still there, and they were still staring up into the clouds. Now, uh, let's be fair to the disciples a second. I mean, if Greg Rayner over here, we were talking, and he told me, I'm about to uh, go up into the clouds, and I said, okay, that's exciting, and then it happened. I would probably be staring at those clouds for most of that day and maybe throughout the week, Um, but they were staring at the cloud. They're staying in the spot where they were, right? And these two, these two men stand before him and say, what are you doing? Why are you staring at the clouds? Jesus is going to come back the same way he went. He's coming back. In fact, if there's any future thing that Jesus wanted them to, to know about, that's about it. He went up, he's coming back. That's all you need to know. Now, what did he tell you to do? That's what these guys are saying. Why are you staring here? Why are you staying here? Didn't you just hear? We, you got work to do. Time to get after it. Now, in just, just a little while later, the Holy Spirit would actually come upon them at the day of Pentecost. And when that Holy Spirit came upon them, we'll talk about this uh, throughout our next couple of weeks, when that Holy Spirit came upon them, boom, that power was unleashed, and they went and they made it happen. But those, those two men, those two angels, are really what they're saying. Look, it's time to go. Time to go do it. Time to go make it happen. Everything he just said, get out there and do it. This is where I think many of us get caught up. See, as believers, I think we listen to messages like Jesus saying, hey, don't be caught up in the future. Be a part of God's kingdom now. And we're like, yeah, God's work now. That's awesome. That's that's wonderful. And then somebody says, and the power of the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And we get revved up about the power of the Holy Spirit and that type of talk and that type of interaction. And we, we, go, we get really energized and fired up. A lot of times in this type of setting in church or, or at some service or at a concert or something like that. And then at the very end, it's like, okay, doors open now. Go do it right now. Get out and go make it happen right now. And we get a little caught up at this point. And we leave and, you know, we have our lunch at Rio Grande and we get home, we do our naps. And, and somewhere along that line, we just, that whole enthusiasm has just dropped and dissipated. And by Monday morning, we're back into our regular grind of our regular work week. And we end the week and we're like, man, I didn't do anything for God's kingdom this week. I wasn't about that work that I kind of got fired up about before. Because the doing is the hard, hard part. It's a hard part. Anybody who has ever decided they're going to lose a few pounds understands that the doing is the hard part. It's a real hard part. Being excited about it, we can do that. Even getting to the gym and putting our credit card or our our debit card down on some contract, you know, that goes some ungodly amount of months, you know, that we put down, even that's the easy part. But getting to the place and lifting the weight or running on the machine, the doing is hard. It's hard. 
And let me share with you really, really quick, just finally, as we're wrapping up, let me share with you just a couple reasons or excuses that we make as believers sometimes when it gets hard. When the doing gets hard as believers, we say a couple phrases, and we're very good at Christianizing things. Have you ever noticed that? But let me share with you a couple things. Here's the number one thing that we always say when we get tired or or run down, or we realize, man, this work, is, this work of the kingdom is really hard. First thing we love to say is, I th- really think God is leading me away from this. We say a lot. I-, I think God is calling me to step out of this. Now, does God do that sometimes? Absolutely. I don't want to belittle that the Lord doesn't work that way. But as a person of 20 years in ministry, I would say nearly every time I hear that, not every time, but nearly every time, What's really being said is, I don't want to do this anymore. I just, I don't want to do this anymore. And I just want to step out because it's hard and I'm tired. You know what God's saying in the book of Acts right now is, it's going to be hard. In fact, over the next few weeks, when you start to see what the disciples went through to share God's message, you will find that it was very, very hard for them. Very hard. In fact, there's some in the word, not, not the 12 disciples, they did a great job, but there's some even in the book of Acts that, that ended up saying, you know, this is too much and, and stepped away. We're going to actually highlight a couple of those characters in a couple weeks. We say, God, God's really led me away from it. Well, let me tell you, if you don't have really a clear understanding uh, in your prayer time, a clear verse that God's teaching to you, and some wise Christian counsel that's saying it too, probably you're just feeling like it's hard. Probably the Lord hasn't told you to step away. Because the work of his kingdom is just way, way too valuable. Way too valuable. In fact, I believe strongly it's why in the very beginning of his word, very beginning, why, G- why God and in creation rested on the seventh day. Because I think he built into from the very beginning, look, the work of my kingdom is going to be difficult. So take, guess what? Take a day off every week. Take it off. Take the whole day and rest. Don't go, go, go that day. Relax, refresh, get, get rested up. Sometimes we think, well, the, that's, yeah, that's good. That's law talk, though. We're not under the law anymore. It has nothing to do with the law. It's creation. It's how I'm designed the seventh day to rest and to be refreshed, to go about the work of his kingdom. So God isn't always calling us away. The another thing that, that we say sometimes so we can step out of it is, you know, I, I like what we're doing, but... Um, I just don't like the way we're doing it. <laughs> and so because I don't quite like the way we're doing it, I think I maybe step out. You ever said that at your job, you know? Um, yeah, I like my boss. I, I just, you know, if I was doing it, I'd do it different. Um, now at our job, we never step out of our We don't quit for that reason, rarely ever, do we? Why? Because I know every two weeks I'm getting a paycheck, and I need that paycheck to pay the house note. <laughs> But somehow in God's work, the work of his kingdom, something that's even far more valuable than that paycheck, we allow ourselves to step out of the work of God's kingdom. Whether in the church or anywhere, I'm not just talking about in the church, anywhere, we allow ourselves to step out of it because we're like, well, it's not, just not quite the way I would do it. I don't quite like the way it's being done. You know, uh, something that I've been blessed that we haven't battled here because you guys are I think you guys are just awesome kingdom dwellers here in, in God's work. And, and, uh, but I've been in churches on staff where it seemed like every week we fought some battle in which songs to sing. <laughs> 
And I'm not just talking about praise team people, because, I mean, the, the bottom line is, you know, music people, you get them all together, they're going to choose a bunch of different songs. But I'm talking about music, non-music, across the board, right? People saying, well, we should sing this song. We should not sing that song. We should sing this song for three minutes. No, we should sing it for five minutes. And um, just headache after headache after headache in that, right? And what happens? People step out of the work of God's kingdom because why? Well, I don't really like the way it's being done. I love that hymn we sing, but why do they have to throw that contemporary verse at the end of that thing? You know, I don't like the way it's been done. So we step out. Well, guess what? Guess what really matters, what the Bible is telling us today? The, the kingdom work is what really matters. That's what really, really matters. And so we have to stay plugged in to God's work. Even at times, if it's, if it's done a little bit different than I do it on my own, I've got to stay plugged in because I've got to find a way. I've got to find a way to reach people and do God's work in his kingdom. This morning, God does not want to do for you what he has called you to do. In specific, I don't know what it is God has called you to do in your life. I don't know what occupation he's called you to. Uh, If you're single, I don't know what person he's leading you to marry down the road. I don't know these specific things in your life. But I can tell you in general, according to God's word, that your call as a believer in Jesus Christ is to be about the work of the kingdom. Your call is to be about sharing him with other people. Your call is about serving other people anytime there's a need that somebody might have. That, in general, is your call and my call as believers in Jesus Christ. Over the next two months, November, December, one of the ways that it'd be very, very easy to do some kingdom work is, you may not know this, but November and December are the, the two most popular months for inviting people to church. Did you know that? This is, this is the months that people will most in general say yes to coming to church. So an opportunity to invite somebody along with you over the next two months, the odds are even greater this time of year that they'll say yes and come along with you. That's an opportunity to make a kingdom impact over the next couple months. It's a great opportunity. What other opportunities will come up in your week? I don't know, but they're there. I can guarantee it. I see them in my life. And uh, sometimes the Lord just beats on me when I ignore them or, or just say, you know, I'm a little too tired for that, Lord. Um, they're going to be there this week. So look for them. Look for those opportunities to make a kingdom impact this week. Now, some of you, it, the, the issue might be a need to be empowered with the Holy Spirit, a need to be discipled and built up and raised up to learn more about his word. And so I really want to challenge you as we've been talking about these, these discipleship groups excuse me, that are going on throughout the week. Ladies, on Tuesday night, now Wednesday morning and Friday morning, there's opportunities for discipleship every single week. Opportunity to be built into by mature Christian ladies that can open up God's word and work through it with you. You know, I encourage you, get to one of those groups. Men, on Wednesday night at seven o'clock, that opportunity to be discipled every single week. Now, men, can I just harp on you? I'll just harp, just give me 30 seconds, okay? You know I love you, so I, I won't beat you up too much. You know, 22 of you at wing night, seven to 8.30. Next week, seven to 8.30, three of you at Bible study. Th- that equal sign doesn't work very well for us. Men, if you wanna get into God's word, be discipled, be empowered, Wednesday night, come. Open up God's word and let other godly men be a part of your life on Wednesday nights. It's a key, key time, as well as Saturday morning at seven o'clock for our other fuel time. Those are great opportunities to be empowered this week. Finally, maybe for you, what it really is is that first thing. You're so caught up 
in future things. Times are terrible in our nation right now, or, or times are this and that, or this is going to happen. This sounds like it's, it's a, a Revelation chapter 5 happening. Um, look, if that in, is of interest to you and you love reading that and getting to it, that's okay. Don't let that dictate your life and ministry. Because just like Jesus is saying here, uh, there's work to be done in my kingdom right now. You don't need to know the times and dates of the end. Just be about my kingdom right here, right now on earth. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you this morning for your book of Acts. And Lord, it's, as we just barely even have time to scratch the surface of chapter one this morning, we realize there's just so much so much good stuff and deep stuff in there that we're going to work through and see. I pray that, that if at very least you could just put the, the push of curiosity in each person here to open up the book of Acts and just to read on their own and to look in there and see. Lord, I just think it's a book that will, that will grab them and they'll just, they'll just start cranking through. And then, Lord, I, I want to lift up, Lord, that phrase that we've been saying, Lord, that you don't want to do for us what you've called us to do. And there may be many in here that they know that you're calling them. They know the general call, and then they know the specific call. And they've been ignoring both of them. When they realize this morning, Lord, you don't want to rise up and do that for them. And so, Lord, they would be the ones to do it this week. And so, Lord, if there be anybody in this room this morning, that it's time for them to just say, yeah, I got to commit to sharing Jesus with other people. I got to commit to being empowered by the Holy Spirit and being discipled and built up and to learn more about the, the Word. Or, or I know all that stuff, but I just haven't stepped out and done it. I, the, the dew is caught, has, has just caught me up. If it's any of those, Lord, I pray this, this could be a commitment morning where they could walk out here feeling refreshed and ready to go, ready to make a kingdom impact this week. And Lord, we are looking forward to the testimonies, the stories that will be shared about lives that have been changed because of people that made commitments this morning. I trust that you're going to do it, Lord. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Well, we're glad you came this morning. We're especially excited for those that have been baptized. And um, afterwards, even though we, we kind of tear down kind of quick, you spend as much time as you need, especially those guests that came to be with those that have been baptized, if you're sharing with them and hanging out. That's okay. Um, we'll be taking chairs from you, but you are welcome to, to hang out as, as long as you'd like and, and hang, well, not as long as you'd like, because we do have a rental time here. So, one thing I forgot to mention is, Oh, this month, uh, we're really working hard with it being Thanksgiving and filling as many boxes as we can for Lot 2540. And so John has a bunch of boxes in the back. And I thought, you know, for every family unit in the church to be able to fill, fill up one of those boxes, that would be somewhere around 60, 65 boxes that we could fill up and send up there. And even if, even if they don't need to hand all that out, January is a very lean month for getting donations, and they can stockpile those and hand them out in January. So we should just do as much as we can this month. And so if you would, you just take a box, and you return it filled up with the food items that are listed on the front. And so John's got boxes back there. If they're all gone, just talk to him, and uh, he'd be happy to, to figure out a way to get you another box as well. So sound good? All right, if you grab this card, this is the time to make sure it's filled out, and our ushers are going to come in just a second. Drop this in the offering basket. If you're new with us today, as much info as you're, as you're comfortable giving, and then uh, take that to the welcome table. We've got a free gift we'd like to give to you uh, this week as well. So we're going to invite our ushers to come and take our morning tithes and our offering. And while they're doing that, why don't you stand with me and we'll go out singing one more.